If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 29 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are going to be talking about mobility and flexibility and what the heck is the point of stretching because as runners we all have been told for our whole life that we're supposed to stretch. Oh, as a, as a coach, we have group stretching all of the time. It gives we don't us, anymore. Well, it gives us something to do at practice. It gives a way for the kids to come together and talk amongst each other and bond as a team. Right. So much more than actually stretching. Right. But we, we do it differently now. Very differently. Yeah. Now that we know the science behind it and all that stuff, since uh, Kevin decided to bring me on as an assistant coach, I've kind of <laughs> changed the way that the kids have been stretching because we want it to be effective. We don't want them to just stand around as much as the social aspect of that group stretch is very important, which it is, it's also important for them to actually be getting a benefit from the stretching that they're doing. So let's talk a little bit about stretching and some of the myths surrounding stretching. I got myth number one. You have to stretch because it keeps you from getting hurt. Right. Everybody's heard this, especially as a runner, right? If if your muscles get too tight, you're going to get injured. If you don't stretch enough, you're going to get injured. So one of the number one reasons that people give you for giving you a reason to stretch is to prevent injury. Well, yeah. If you, if the muscles stay all nice and loose and flexible, then you run better and everything feels better and life is good. You never get hurt. Right. And they also tell you, like the other myth they tell you is that it allows you to recover faster. Well, yeah. After you do a, after you do a really hard workout, you want to make sure that you stretch because this will make you feel better the next day. Right. And these are two giant lies. They are two giant lies. Yes. Um, in reality, too much flexibility can actually be a negative thing. Um, you really just need enough flexibility. And when we use the term flexibility, we're talking about muscle length, right? So your muscles are any given length. And people say that when you stretch a muscle, that muscle gets longer. That's another myth, I guess, right? Yeah. And, and we'll get into that one as we, we get will. into the different types of flexibility and right. stuff. But let's let's just keep it here. So... Basically, you just need enough of that flexibility to perform any whatever given activity it is. If you're a runner, if you're a swimmer, if you're a gymnast, they obviously need a lot more flexibility than runners do. Yeah, you need you need enough flexibility that you can complete the full range of motion without being hampered by by the, you know, stiffness. Right, because if you're limited in your range of motion, then that can definitely lead to injury. Oh, yeah, and and on the to that end is symmetry. Mm-hmm. If one side of your body has a huge range of motion and the other side is very limited, it's going to throw off the stresses on your body. And right. when you put more onto one side than the other, that's going to cause problems. Right. And it's not just left to right. It's also front to back. Like you have to think of the body in a 360 degree angle because if your hip flexors are tighter than your hamstrings, like those two things should be balancing each other out. But if one is stronger, one is weaker, one is tighter, one is looser, then that can cause that imbalance and cause problems. Yes. This is where you helped me out. Is You said that it wasn't that big of a problem that I can't bend over 
over and touch my toes as long as I can actually, the, the quads and the hip flexors and everything on the front need to balance that out in terms of tension. Right. And strength. I mean, a lot of times it, people think that in order to treat an injury or prevent an injury, they need to do stretching when in reality they need to do strengthening exercises. Most of the time, weakness tends to be more of a culprit than flexibility does. Right. And strengthening exercises is probably going to tighten the area up to begin with. Right. Right. So there's three main things that we have to think about when we think about the flexibility or the mobility of the body. So when we move, um, the first thing that we need to think about is the mobility of the joint. Okay. So each joint in our body has a very specific way that the bones interact with each other. So each joint is basically where two or more bones come together to, to touch each other. And surrounding that joint, there is a joint capsule and that is a soft tissue structure. So if the joint capsule is tight, then that can cause the bones to become malaligned. And when the bones aren't rolling and gliding and sliding on each other the way that they were meant to, that can cause early onset of arthritis, that can cause actual bone problems, that can cause other issues. And that is a problem with the joint mobility itself. All right. So as a runner, I'm looking at a couple of major joints. I got hips, knees, and ankles. Right. Okay, so I've I've always had knee issues, so let's look at that. Or inside of that, I've got what the giant bone coming down my the upper leg, my femur matching up with your tibia, tibia at mm-hmm. the bottom, right? And then they throw a kneecap on front of it, right? That just likes to float in space. It, just, it, does, it doesn't. It's not <laughs> attached to anything. It's just floating there. Right, right. So just talking about the femur meeting the tibia, the main motion is when the knee bends back and forth, and so that the tibia and the femur have to slide in order to for the knee to bend. One of the bones has to slide down. One of the bones has to slide up. There is actually even a little bit of a roll and a glide in there that people don't like to talk about because they like to simplify things and think of the knee as a hinge joint when it's there's a lot more motion in the knee than just that. So if the joint around the knee capsule is tight, it can just offset. It can kind of pull the femur over a little bit and you know, or one direction or the other, and it can lead to rubbing on the surfaces, which basically leads to surface breakdown because they're, you're placing stress on a part of the joint that's not designed for that. All right. So I know I'm doing exactly what you just said we shouldn't, but if I oversimplify it and call it a hinge, yeah. if, if you look at the hinge on a door, there's mm-hmm. like, there's the parts on the door and there's the parts on the door frame and they mm-hmm. fit nicely into each other. Right. If, if you're looking at the, your knee the same way, if those parts don't line up correctly, the door doesn't open and close. It, it creaks. Right. Think about, you know, if one of your kids decides to hang on the doorknob and kind of pull that door down, like they yeah. slightly bend the, where exactly the hinge is lined up. That hinge doesn't work properly anymore. No, it just doesn't. Because the the joint itself got deformed. All right. So if I got like because tight muscles. Because of the excess stress on the one side of the door. Right. So if I got muscles pulling my like upper leg out of alignment with my lower leg, suddenly my the hinge of my knee doesn't bend correctly. Sure. Yep. I mean, I know that way oversimplified it. But right. And, it, and, it, and there's other factors other than just muscle tightness that can course. put a joint out, out of alignment. But Which we'll get, I think we're getting into a little bit here. Right. So basically, if the joint itself is limited, there are ways for us to mobilize the joint. Yes, um, marry a physical therapist. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. So this is if there is a, a, an issue with joint mobility, it really needs to be something that is addressed by a professional, like a physical therapist, um, because there's a lot of specific hands-on techniques that we can do to help restore normal joint mobility, and we can then teach patients how to do them. But it is very specific. Your hand placement has to be very specific. The, the, the direction of the force needs to be very specific. So there are ways to, to do self-mobilizations of the joint, but I would definitely recommend you seeing a professional to teach you how to do that versus just trying to look up a video on YouTube. Yes, yes. Definitely something when you're trying to actually make your hips and knees and, and joints move in their proper alignment Someone who's who's spent some years of training is probably going to be a lot better than a three-minute video on YouTube where you're thinking, no, 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 I've got it. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of the issue when it comes to joint mobility. Now, the second thing we want to think about when looking at the flexibility of the body is the actual length of the muscles. And muscle length is what everybody thinks they're changing when they're stretching. They think that they're increasing the length of the muscle every time they perform a stretch and hold it for 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's the the whole idea. Oh, I'm going to stand here on the curb and I'm going to hang my knee, my ankle off the bottom of it and it's going to make my calf longer. And then I get these beautiful stretched out, you know, wonderful toned muscles and it, it looks great. This, this doesn't work? No, this is not necessarily the case. Shoot. Okay, so basically, every time you stretch, if you hold a stretch for 30 seconds, you're not actually changing the length of the muscle. So they've done research studies, and basically what they've shown is, well, first of all, before I get into that, let, what is stretching? Okay, like what, what physiologically, what is happening when we stretch? You're, you're actually mm-hmm. trying to increase the length of the muscle, right? So in order to increase the length of a muscle, what do you have to do? Uh, I'm going to say rip it apart. Yes, exactly. You have to tear the muscle, and then when you tear some fibers, the muscle gets longer. Right, so tear it apart, hold it in that stretch, allow it to rebuild itself in that stretched out, lengthened phase, and then you have an actual lengthened muscle? Yeah, that can't happen in 30 seconds. No, but my PE teacher told me that in third grade. Right, right. (laughs) So... When you stretch, you're actually to, to increase the length of the muscle, you actually have to tear the muscle apart. And when you tear that muscle, you're actually causing inflammation because you're tearing a muscle. Okay, so anybody that tells you to stretch before a run, don't listen to them and run the opposite direction. Because essentially, <laughs> if they're trying to tell you that you should be trying to stretch and increase your flexibility before you go out and run, they're basically telling you, go ahead and tear your muscle and cause a bunch of inflammation in the area and then go try to then run. Then go run. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great idea. This is why it swung the other direction because at some point people were like, well, you can't just do static stretching before you run. And so that moved stretching to the end of the run. So then people would go out, they they do their whole whatever the run is, and then they'd come back and sit around, have a cup of coffee, and stretch. Right. And if you actually have a problem with muscle length and you actually do need to lengthen the muscle itself, which some people do. Some people actually have short muscles and they need to lengthen the muscles in order to restore the normal motion of the joint. So so if that's the case, then that is the appropriate order, right? Correct. Then you, you go for your run, come back, and stretch. Absolutely. For a, a while. Right. So you always stretch after activity because, again, you're increasing inflammation. But the research has basically shown that in order to increase the length of a muscle, 
you need to hold a stretch for three to five minutes in each position. You need to do this four to six times per week. And it takes 10 to 12 weeks for the muscle to actually noticeably lengthen. So you're saying my holding the calf stretch for 20 seconds at the end of the run is really just making me feel good about myself? Kind of. Okay. So there are benefits, okay? Because it does feel good, right? It does. It does. So so to actually increase muscle length, you guys kind of know what's going on now. But what about the stretching after the run that just makes us feel good? Or some people do stretch before a run and that they say that that makes them feel good. And that's that's great. Well, before a race, I also do a little warm-up and then some stretching and yes, then race. absolutely. And that's a fantastic idea. So you, that's the perfect way to do it. You want to kind of warm up. You want to loosen the body. You want to increase the blood flow to the muscles. And then a little dynamic stretching is, is a good idea. So, oh, we got a new vocab word. What, dynamic? Dynamic stretching. Ah, well, this is the hot topic word nowadays. It is. Yeah. Dynamic stretching. People, everybody has heard about it, but nobody really knows what it is, no, right? No, maybe we should define here. Okay. So basically a dynamic stretch is any stretch that you do for about 1 to 15 seconds. Okay, the static stretching where you just stop and you hold that stretch that people do for like 30 seconds to a minute, that's where we just, you know, we just kind of address that. So the dynamic stretch is kind of like moving in and out of a certain position. So if we're looking at um, a calf stretch, like you said, it would be hanging your foot off the curb for 1 to 15 seconds and then taking it off, hanging it down taking it off. So you're moving in and out of a position in a slow and controlled manner. I like to do this well clustered at the starting line, Mm -hmm. you know, because they call you over to the starting line for any race, whatever it is, local 5k, sizable marathon, and you have to get into your little starting corral and then you hang out there for a while. So I go up up and down on my toes Mm -hmm. just to kind of keep myself moving. Yeah, that's a good one. So when you're moving in and out of that position, you are actually, quote unquote, stretching, but it's different, okay? You're not actually increasing the length of the tissue when you're doing that. Because it's only taking you 20 seconds and not three months. Right. And so basically what you're doing is you are changing the body's perception of tightness. So your body and your nervous system, your brain, even on an unconscious level, has a perception of how tight your muscles are. So by moving in and out of this position, you're basically changing the body's perception of tightness. Does that right. make sense? Especially if you've done this a lot. Like if if for years you've told yourself, I do these stretches and then I feel better, doing those stretches makes you feel better, right. even if it's not doing anything at all to the muscles. Right. And so basically the nervous system, your brain and, and the things that control your muscles they can create a a muscle tone in your body on an unconscious level without you even realizing it. That is unconscious. Yes. (laughs) Unconscious level without realizing it. Um, So think about when you're nervous about something, right? When you're nervous about something, you feel tension in your body. And when you relax, you can literally just kind of feel looser. Your muscles feel different. And that's not an actual change in the muscle length at any given time. It's just the way that your brain is affecting and influencing the tightness, the perception of how tight your muscles are. Right. And so if you actually want to exercise and get some benefit out of this, the muscles in order to propel yourselves and give give power to, to your movement has to go from a, um, a, a flex, uh, lengthened, lengthened, shortened. 
to shortened position. Thank right. you. Um, like you actually have to contract the muscle. Right. If it's already beginning semi, semi-tightened, it, it has less ability to, to propel you because it's not able to stretch and contract and, and give you that power and force to move forward. Right. So uh, one of the examples when I was, Kevin and I were talking about this before we started recording, you know, I, I, I'm a physical therapist, so I work with people that have had strokes. And if you've ever seen someone with a stroke, you may have seen them with their arm in a flex position, like their elbow is bent and they're unable to straighten their arm. And that is not because the stroke suddenly shortened the length of the tissue and the muscle. It's because the brain then contracted that biceps muscle and told the biceps that it wasn't allowed to relax, essentially. Like it just stays in that contracted position. And then over time, you know, if someone is six months post-stroke and they're still in that position, the the muscle has actually shortened because it's been in that position for six months. But right at the beginning, that muscle length hasn't changed. It's just the amount of contraction that the brain is telling the muscle to perform. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. Okay. Hopefully, Hopefully our listeners understand what I'm talking about too. So... To relate it over to running, I I like to throw in some strides at the end of, especially at the end of a longer run, like a longer, slower run, where I've been going through limited range of motion. But the first stride at the end of that, I finish my run, I walk around for a little bit, and I try and stride. The first one doesn't go well. Like, I can barely pick my feet up. Right. Because suddenly I'm trying this whole range of motion that I haven't gone through for a while. Exactly. Because when you're going out on a longer, slower distance run, you don't need a ton of range of motion. Like, your body... Body does stay pretty compact and then when you're trying to sprint you're taking much longer steps you need more force from your type 2 muscle fibers your hip flexors and your glutes kick in more so there's it's a whole different system that you're then activating yeah i'm barely firing hip flexors on like a an hour hour 15 relaxing right. run right like i don't need to get that good strong leg drive i mm-hmm. just need to keep going right so it's the neural tone so your body isn't like your brain hasn't been firing those muscles, hasn't been sending those signals from the brain down to those muscles to fire that way. So so the first stride, the first like five steps of it, I look like I've never run before. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm so uncoordinated. Like, I don't know what it actually looks like, but in my head, I'm like, oh, someone should stop that man from doing that because that's going to, that looks terrible over there. No, you still look like a gazelle. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so I think that kind of, explains the dynamic stretching pretty well, right? So essentially, before you run, if you want to stretch, you want to kind of move in and out of a position in a slow and controlled manner. You want to hold each position about 1 to 15 seconds, and it it just basically helps to loosen you up. And if you're not sure if you need this loosening, a good test that you can do would be to lie on your back and try to raise your leg while keeping your knee straight, right? And see how far you can get. Okay. Okay. Then you're going to push against a wall or a person, if one of your partners or whatnot. To, so you're going to fire going the opposite direction. And then you're going to see if you can, you're going to do it again and see if you get further the second time. Okay. And most of the time the answer is yes. You're going to get further the second time than the first time. And it's not because you just dramatically increased the length of your muscle. It's because you just inhibited some of that muscle tone that was holding you back the first time. Yeah, it's that it's that resistance against uh moving 
in the opposite direction of the stretch. When you resist moving against a stretch, right. it, it releases some of the muscle tone. Exactly. All right. So moving on. So the third part of flexibility that we want to talk about is the way that the muscles glide against each other. So anytime we perform any sort of movement, your muscles are contracting, but there's a lot of muscles in your forearm. There's a lot of muscles in your thigh, and those muscles all have to slide and glide along each other when they're contracting and relaxing. Are we talking like big muscles or like individual muscle fibers? Both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can you can bring it down all the way to the individual muscle fibers within a muscle. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So basically, anytime we exercise... The goal is to break the body down. And then when the body builds itself back up, it builds back up stronger. That's how we get stronger. That's how we get faster. That's it's the whole point of the training cycle Correct. is break and rebuild stronger. Exactly. So when we break the body down, the body then repairs itself. And it repairs itself by laying down collagen, which is essentially scar tissue. Okay. So say you have a hard workout and you are feeling really sore in your calf muscles for that day. You probably broke those muscles down, okay? The, so you created tiny tears in, in your calf muscle, and then your body, the, the rescue repair crew, comes in and lays down a bunch of collagen on that specific spot where the muscle tore, and that basically makes the muscle stronger for the next time. Right, except they're trying to to repair it super super fast. Right, so they're not doing a great job of it. Right, they're they're bringing up the enough material to fix it, but they've got to. It, it takes a while for them to fix it. Right, it takes eleven to fourteen days. I was going to say it takes over a week for the repair to actually go. Right, but in all likelihood, you're going to go out and get in some more exercise in one to two days. Right. So that's part of the issue, right? So the body is repairing itself. And when scar tissue and collagen gets laid down, it gets laid down in a very haphazard form, um, formation. It doesn't get laid down exactly in line with the muscle tissues that you just tore up. It just basically, you know, they come in and they throw a bunch of dirt on it or, you know, essentially they just throw a bunch of cement, you know, onto the the thing to just repair it and hold it in place. Yes. And like Kevin said, you're going to be training. You're not going to go 11 to 14 days in between each each exercise session. Yes. I'm going to go for a run today and another one in two weeks. Right. We already talked about that not being a good idea when it comes to the consistency. But um, so essentially the body is just constantly breaking down and, and repairing itself over and over and over. And so essentially this can lead to these areas of stickiness and like tissue tightness um, where the scar tissue creates these adhesions basically and so that the muscle fibers cannot slide and glide against each other in the way that they're meant to. Yeah, I think um, the the way I like to envision this and correct me if my, my sort of analogy here is totally way off. So you've got your muscle fibers that sort of like taking a whole bunch of strands of spaghetti mm-hmm. and they like to slide back and forth along each other. That's right. how a muscle expands and contracts. Yes. Okay. Now you work out and that means you snap some of the spaghetti pieces. Right. But not all of them. Just, just, a, just a few. Just a few of them. Right. Somewhere in there broke a little bit. And yes. so your body panics, mm-hmm. chews up some bubble gum and throws a wad of bubble gum over the top of it. Yes. And then you break a couple of more strands, so your body throws more bubble gum. Right, but before you go there, so 
after that first water bubble gum, right? Yeah. Then most of the other stuff is still gliding and sliding around. So you might not notice it right at the beginning. Right, because it's not a giant piece of bubble gum. It's, Correct. It's literally tiny pieces tiny, of gum tiny, right. between between the little breaks. Right. Like, oh, this strand broke. Oh, well, I'll put a little piece of gum to, to reconnect it. Mm-hmm. I'll put a little piece of gum to reconnect this. Right. Then you break a few different strands, more little pieces of gum, more little pieces of gum. Mm-hmm. Over the course of a few months, suddenly you have a giant wad of gum trying to hold spaghetti together. Right, exactly. And so that spaghetti, that's supposed to be those individual strands of spaghetti that are moving and gliding and sliding, can't really do that anymore. And that leads to tightness in the tissue, which can restrict the range of motion that that tissue is able to go through because collagen doesn't stretch. You know, the scar tissue does not stretch well. Yeah, that's kind of the issue with the the gum is it's not just gum, it's hardened gum. Exactly. Yeah, it's that gum that you find underneath the desk, uh, you know, three months later. That's disgusting. No, we'll pretend that I never touched the gum that stuck underneath (laughs) my student's desk. None of them would ever chew gum in my class. Right. So if there if there's too much of this scar tissue laid down time after time, you know, as our training builds up on us, it basically restricts the range of motion that we're able to go through during our running or whatever other activity we're participating in, and that does lead to injury. Okay, so how do we go about fixing this? There's a term here, and I'm blanking on what the term is, but... Uh... Trigger point. Trigger point. There we go. Right. So people have have heard of uh, trigger point release or soft tissue mobilizations or there's lots of different um, terms for it. There's people active release technique, Graston. There's all these different things that you can go see a certified practitioner for. But the good news is a lot of this you can do on your own at home and you should be doing this really on a daily basis at a minimum on a weekly basis multiple times per week because you want to break up those little wads of gum before they turn into that big wad of gum and really cause a problem right you don't need to do head to toe soft tissue release on a daily basis no but if you kind of pick an area and and every day you hit a different area over the course of a week, you'll basically make it through your body. Right. And so people that spend three to five minutes stretching after the run would be much better suited to spend that same amount of time doing these self-tissue mobilization techniques. Great. How do we actually do them? Okay. So it's pretty, pretty difficult, but basically <laughs> you want to feel your own body. So if you, you can start right now, you know, with your arm or in your calf, but basically feel your tissues, you know, like take your hand and kind of run it up and down your forearm, whatever muscle you want to you, um, try in the beginning here. And you're going to feel that there are spots that feel tighter or more sore or tender versus some of the other areas, right? You can kind of feel that some tissue feels more soft and pliable, pliable, flexible, right? And there's other areas of your tissue that feel harder or stiffer and those and more sore, you know, pain and soreness is a very good uh, way to find these spots. So... When you do find a spot like that. I've got that, this one. When you find the spot of soreness, you ignore it and pretend that it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can spend six to eight weeks recovering on the couch. Oh, shoot. No. So basically, after you find that tight spot, you're basically going to hold it. So you want to compress that spot, which people have a hard time doing because it hurts. So say um, we're doing this in your shin, right? A lot of people suffer from shin splints. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 
basically your, your shin bone. You want to kind of go up and down the shin bone and find a, a painful spot and then you're going to hold it and then you're going to flex and extend your ankle. You're going to bring your toes up and then point your toes. Bring your toes up and point your toes while you're holding on that spot. So the key... Not on the actual tibia, like on the no. edge of the tibia where yeah. the muscles are attached. Yeah, we're talking about the muscle. Yes. Yeah, not on the bone itself. You're finding that tight spot in the muscle and you're yes. going to put dig your thumb into it essentially. Ouch. Yeah. So... The key is compression and active movement to, yes. together. And a lot of people hit one without the other. The right. active movement is the big key here. Because yes. I've seen people do the compression at all sorts of different races. I'll see them like grind into a spot on their on their thigh or right. really push into a hamstring. But they're not doing the second end of it. Right. And when you do just compress, that can work as well. Um, but you usually have to hold the spot for a longer period of time and it takes longer to actually, you know, see the results. Right. The active movement, it might cause a little bit more pain as you're doing it because I've, I've done this yeah, and the active does. movement really, it it's like, okay, I want you to push on this painful spot and then I'd like to roll through that painful spot to make right. sure that it really hits every angle of the painful spot. Right. And so there's various tools that you can use to help do these tissue mobilizations because it's not always necessarily easy for you to use your fingers, you know, or your thumb or whatnot to reach certain spots of your body, especially like if they're in your glutes or in your back. Um, it can be tough to kind of get to those. So you can use a foam roller, you can use a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball or a golf ball. You can use any of these things and essentially you're basically going to put that tool on a spot that hurts and same thing. You're going to um, actively move whatever joint it is that you're trying to free up. Right. So if you're doing, if you're trying to release something inside your calves, then you're, you're flexing at your ankle. If you're right. trying to release something in like your quads, mm -hmm. then you're, you're bending at the knee or the hip or the hip. Yeah. It depends exactly where you're trying to target. Right. So mm -hmm. the, the key is trying to figure out where you're, where you need to actually have the movement as well. Right. Yeah. Where you're trying to get that active movement. So like if you're targeting the glutes, you're probably going to, um, do some rotation of the hip. You're going to kind of move the, the foot in and out. Does that make sense? Yes. You're rotating the hip. Yes. A lot of times with the glutes is, is a rotational movement. Yeah, well, that makes sense because that's the one that I had to do. So yeah. if, you, if you are laying on like a tennis ball and your foot is pointed up towards the ceiling, imagine your foot's like a clock and you're essentially going to move it. Try and move it between 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock right. while laying on a tennis ball. Right, right. It's not the most comfortable, but it is really effective. So the good news about the, the self, the tissue mobilization is... It's very easy to do for the most part. I mean, there can be some challenging spots to get to, but overall it's pretty easy to do. You can do it yourself and you can do it at home and it's very effective. So think of the, and you see results a lot quicker than the actual stretching. So stretching to increase tissue length, like we said, is going to take 10 to 12 weeks for you to actually change the length of a tissue. If you mobilize a tissue and try to remove that, stickiness that wad of gum in the spaghetti basically when you do that you are removing the kink out of a chain so you you lengthen those tissues much much faster than actually trying to like tear the muscle tissue down and wait for them to build back up and actually change the length so most people get results i mean you can 
really get results after one session. You know, if especially if it's not a chronic thing, if you find a, a tight spot and you loosen it up, you can find an increased flexibility right away. Um, but most takes, you know, even two to three weeks, but that's a lot better than 10 to 12. Two to three weeks to fix a spot that's been like chronically nagging you for the last three to five years. I'll take a fix in two to three weeks. Right. Way better than the three month slow process of trying to actually lengthen the muscle that may not ultimately cause a fix if you still have this sort of like damage, somewhat repair patch job in the middle of the muscle. Yeah. Like it's one thing, like you've probably lengthened the muscle above that patch job and below that patch job, but you still have a haphazard patch job in the middle that's still a weak point in the body. Exactly. And so the the goal of self-tissue mobilization is to repair those shoddy patch jobs by the body. Sounds like a good plan. So basically spend less time stretching and more time doing tissue mobilizations and you'll be a lot better off in the long run. Okay, so that does it for today's episode. We want to uh, take a second here and and thank those of our listeners who've gone out of their way to to write us a review on iTunes. It does mean so much. And today we're highlighting on Sonico. Uh, who writes, you guys have great info for beginners through expert runners. This is a great addition to your running program. And then throw some thumbs up at us, which is always nice to see. Absolutely. So yes, guys, thank you so much for everybody that's taken some time out to leave us those reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't yet, please please leave us a review. That would be so great. And you can leave more than one. You can actually leave us reviews on each episode if you want to and and give us your specific feedback on each episode to let us know how you liked whatever topic we covered that day. Or questions you had off of that topic. Yes, definitely. So we read all your reviews. We love them. Please keep them coming. And as a thank you... We also have some another fun gift for you guys. So we talked a lot today about stretching and mobilization and that kind of thing. And if you're kind of confused and you'd like some videos to help you out, for a limited time, we are offering full and unlimited access to the exercise library that we have created on our website, realliferunners.com. So if you just go over to the website and you put your email address in, you will get full access to the exercise library. And in there, we've got videos on how to do certain foam rolling exercises to how to do certain stretches um again you're gonna take the information that you learned today and apply that you know to the things that you're seeing in the library but there's videos there for all the various muscle groups and there's including strengthening exercises and yoga all sorts of fun stuff for you guys to to check out over there so head over to realliferunners.com if you want to gain access to that program So thank you guys for spending this time with us today like you do every week, and we will catch you next week. 